0: Dragon the Peg is recorded in Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji-Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Drag in the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Huson, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is another veteran of drag, whose comedic career and sense of humor have become absolutely inseparable from her drag. This performer is a legend among the drag scene, performing regularly with the House of Gold Diamonds, though she's just as well known for her sold-out one-woman fringe show, and more recently, for bringing a whole-ass rotisserie chicken to the bar for the Miss Club 200 step-down. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome the mother of the Crab Shack and Empress 14 of Winnipeg, Tyra Boinks.
1: I'm Tyra Boinks. I don't know that I could explain who I am. How did other people answer?
0: Uh, Normally just stuff like, uh, I'm a drag queen. (laughs) Oh, well, I am one of those. I'm a drag queen. (laughs) Yeah, kind of a weird thing to ask, considering you're on a podcast exclusively for drag queens. Well,
1: maybe somebody's (laughs) just stumbled upon Yeah, maybe I just (laughs) pulled somebody from the street. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So you are one performer that I was specifically requested to have on, actually. Oh. The final owner of Miss Purdy's. Purdy's closed in... Two thousand one,
1: maybe? So I was just sort of starting to come out. Performing at parties was one of the first times I ever performed. And then after it closed,
0: she was around. She said that you were a blast and that I had to have you on. Oh, well that's very kind of her. And I said (laughs) she was already on my list, but you know what? Mm -hmm. Consider it double booked. (laughs) (laughs) You are also a comedian on top of being a drag queen.
1: Well, that's uh, that's a bold statement. <laughs> and I don't know that... I mean, I probably consider myself a comedy queen, mm-hmm. and I have performed stand-up, but I don't know. I feel like in order to call yourself those things, you have to make a living doing it, <laughs> and I definitely didn't do
0: that. Mm-hmm. So drag queen first, comedian second, yeah. comedy person.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, as I get older, it's sort of that aspect of drag is what I gravitate more towards like Mm -hmm. performing doesn't hold quite the same thrill if that's the right word as it once did and I like that like interacting with people and being able to make fun of people in the audience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you when you started doing drag did you Automatically gravitate towards being a comedy queen, or was that something that kind of developed as your career went on? Uh,
1: my lip syncs were probably comedic, mm-hmm. but when I the people listening to this who know me would be will be shocked to hear this, but I was really shy and reserved when I first started. So I like, luckily, was given the opportunity at Happenings to uh, host bar games, and we used to have strippers there, which I don't even think is a thing in the city anymore. <laughs> but to develop those skills. And I did take theater in university, so I guess that sort of developed from that. But it was more so the fringe show that kind of got me like right into comedy. I've made air quotes for those of you who <laughs> aren't in the room. Uh, uh, comedy aspect of that. I'm going to tear this whole set down by the end of the That's night. okay.
0: Um, what I've <laughs> noticed is um, a lot of queens have different idiosyncrasies. Like a lot of them like jitter and tap stuff. So in the back of uh, (laughs) interviews, you just hear like weird (laughs) tapping and stuff like that. That's perfectly fine. We'll just hear a weird bump every (laughs) once in a while. So tell me a little bit more about your fringe show.
1: What year was it? Two thousand. Was it 15? 14 or 15. So I was Empress at the time. And it was actually kind of a selfish decision that for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, the Empress of Winnipeg is part of an organization that raises money for... Uh, various LGBT charities and organizations in the community. And I was sort of below what I had set as a personal goal for raising money. So I was like, well, what's an easy way to make money? And I was like, and what's an easy way to get myself back on stage? (laughs) Uh, So I just applied on a whim, and it's a lottery for who gets chosen. Uh, And I got a spot and then panicked because I had nothing planned. (laughs) And I actually finished writing it the afternoon I opened Ah. Uh, yeah it was terrifying but it was such a was such an amazing experience so and I had actually worked at the Fringe Festival before so I knew kind of the ins and outs and some of the people there but so just like a story of my life and because I didn't think I could really authentically tell a story that wasn't important to me and from what I learned after doing it important to a lot of people that kind of don't really in your day-to-day life, r- understand how many people grow up and feel different and
0: ostracized, and that's where it came from. Wow. And what was it the show called again? Uh, Big Fat Drag Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Is there going to be a revival someday, Mayhaps?
1: Maybe. I did redo it the year after, also as a fundraiser, as a cheap way to <laughs> raise money for something, at the Park Theater, so, I, I mean, I feel like it's probably a little bit too soon to remount it, but I do have some ideas in my head for something else. Maybe this year, we'll see. Again, it's at the whims of the, the fringe lottery, but I also, like, it's I'm kind of in a pigeonhole myself because, because I did something so personal that I, I don't know that I could do something that wasn't. So to mm-hmm. find another story that uh, resonates with people and is important to me might be
0: a little difficult but <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't mind could we mayhaps talk about some of the things that you speak about in oh yeah in for your sure show so it's just like
1: I grew up in rural Manitoba not super rural but I was a fat kid and so just kind of talked about what like coping skills you learn both as a gay kid and a fat kid growing up and how they sort of intersected and sort of how I used being fat to protect myself as a gay kid to isolate myself from people and especially from like attention from other romantic or sexual rather than you know having to have that conversation just to not have to deal with it at all mm-hmm. and then like how that became an important part of who i am and also how society views that and how it ultimately became something that helped me overcome a lot of stuff
0: do you think that you'd still be a a person who does comedy if you don't like the word comedian (laughs) uh if you weren't a drag queen
1: i don't know (laughs) that's a really good question probably not i mean like the persona that i developed in drag i definitely wouldn't have developed it if i wasn't doing drag but i like i said i was quiet and reserved and I, i don't think that that would have come through and and when i did do like actual theater productions uh, it was mostly like serious stuff like Shakespeare and I would never presume to think that if I wasn't doing drag that I would have a successful acting career but (laughs) I probably if I did would be more in that vein Mm -hmm. and there's just not a lot of roles for drag queens and Shakespeare (laughs) 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 although I did do a production of a funny thing happened on the way to the Forum <laughs> in Drag that like I was specifically cast really? to do it in Drag. It wasn't a big role and it was kind of just like a side gig but it was terrifying because it was it's a musical and I've had uh. never done a musical before and it's Sondheim which is really complicated although Forum is a little is an earlier work and isn't quite as intense but like the <laughs> first vocal rehearsal I was I was like do I need to know all these Oh is whispering okay
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, totally. Okay. It's all good. I, I don't know how all this technical stuff, stuff works. I barely know how all this technical <laughs> stuff works, frankly. Wow, did you have to sing and dance?
1: There was, <laughs> yes, although the, it was, I didn't have any, like, solos. It, it was, and the it, the choreography wasn't super hard, but there was definitely singing and dancing involved. Yeah,
0: I feel like they should have paid you extra. <laughs> did they pay? <laughs> so you, do huh? I. <laughs> no, because uh, you'd have to get in. You'd have to start getting ready so much earlier than everybody else.
1: Yeah, that's true. I did get paid, but it was like a community production theater as part of the playwrights festival that MTC oh, does every year. Yeah. So we did get paid, but it was like based on what the box office was over the years, and there was like a guaranteed. Uh, but I mean, also it was. As terrifying as it was, it was a great experience. And I've always loved musical theater and been interested in it. So it was neat to get to be a part of that. And I made a lot of good friends. And uh, I would 100% do it again if there's anybody casting <laughs> anything out there listening.
0: Call Tyra. Yeah. Phone number is... I don't know the phone number. Um, so let's jump back to uh, starting out. When did you first get in drag?
1: It was a long time ago. I think it was 2001. And like most people it was for halloween and i just kind of bit me like shortly after that i started performing and then i'd been working at happenings already as at the door and that just sort of like oh well we need somebody to host this and can you do karaoke and we need you to do this and then i ended up running for the miss happenings title and winning so there was a lot of work involved i was like some nights it was or some nights some weeks 3 or 4 days a week in drag yeah which like looking I was what like I won't give my age but I was very young (laughs) uh and looking back on it now 18 years later I'm like how did I ever do that because once in two weeks is hard for me
0: (laughs) yeah I can imagine it must take like a long time
1: uh well yeah it's about two hours to get ready which I think is pretty standard and that's not even the worst part though it's like the day after, which I'm living through right now. But it's just like, it's painful. Like to wear a corset all night and to wear heels all night and to be... Even like a pair of pantyhose, nobody ever talks about It's not a comfortable thing to wear. <laughs> like anything that sucks and pinches you in is... So yeah, the day after is a hard... Especially when you're old. Like it gets harder and harder.
0: <laughs> so what was kind of the drag scene like back then in 2001, 2002-ish?
1: It was... Busted, (laughs) to use a bad term. It was just, it was harder because we didn't have eBay and we didn't have, right now you can go on Facebook and buy a beautifully styled wig or a beautiful dress that somebody's made. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas back then we had to, you know, go to Spencer Gifts and try to learn things ourselves. And if you didn't sew, you kind of had to be really good at picking through racks at Value Village. But also it was like the like the diversity of drag was not what it is now. Mm-hmm. That it was very much like it was cisgender men pretending to be the opposite gender. There were a lot of air quotes in that sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whereas now like a lot more gender fluidity and people who identify as female are doing drag where we didn't really have that back then. Mm-hmm. So it's r- refreshing to see for sure because it was a very like... You had to be a certain, I don't want to say type of person, but you kind of did. Like not just physically, but also like you had to be, like if you wanted to survive in drag, you had to have a certain type of attitude and you had to dress a certain way. And looking back on it, it it doesn't sound very nice, but we had a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, And that's probably, uh, maybe it's just that I'm older now, but like we got in a lot more shenanigans back then than... People seem to know. Really? We did. Yeah.
0: Um, I have a question for you
1: guys. Who in the audience just showed up today because they thought, oh, there's a fat girl show. I'm, I like for some fat girls. I'm gonna go get some play. <laughs> oh, so you fetishize fat girls? Is that how it is? <laughs> no. What about you, Purple? <laughs> oh. I've just got to say that if if that is in fact the reason you came or you just were, thought I, I'll go, I'll go watch the animals at the zoo for a little bit. Uh, I'm just going to let you know, uh, I may have a belly, but I got some good pussy underneath this belly, okay? Get into it.
0: Do you mind telling us any shenanigans? Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs>
1: names have been changed to protect the not so innocent (laughs) uh well just like happenings was kind of a seedy place like I mean I will always call it my home and where I started but it was kind of gross like it was kind of messy and and like there was a back room and and I just maybe I'm just not don't know where to look anymore but like there were a lot of what am I allowed to talk about on here?
0: You're allowed to talk about okay, anything. Like I can Open swear. Bed. I can oh, yeah. use oh, God, yeah. the word penis. Anything. <laughs> okay. Anything. Anything goes.
1: Uh, so, yeah, there was like... We just got in a lot of trouble. Like, we would take people into bathroom stalls and ask them to do things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which, again, like, I'm sure it's probably still happening. I just am too old and don't see it. But I just feel like there were a lot... A little bit more free back then. Mm-hmm. Like like people having sex on the pool table. Wow! Yeah, like people. Oh,
0: my God. Full view in full view. Yeah,
1: yeah. And like you'd walk into the, so the back room didn't exist to begin with. It was the manager's office. And then the building sort of had some changes and they open up the back room to increase capacity. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like there was a pinball machine back there for whatever reason. And I will not change this name. I'm fully calling her out. I remember walking back one time and
0: Name Redacted for Privacy
1: Was standing like just so like you could see her standing next to the pinball machine and she was like we were like what are you doing and she was jerking off somebody behind the the pinball machine and was just like hi like (laughs) like nothing I mean she'd probably still do that but I just yeah it just feels like things are a little bit more Reserved now, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think it also comes with the like, the introduction of a more PC culture, right? Mm. That like nobody needs to see that, right? Mm. Like keep it to yourself. And I might get hate mail from this from the it's drag okay. community. Go on. And well, I no no no. I feel like consent is a lot more prevalent and talked about these days. And this is where I'm going to get the hate mail. Uh, <laughs> drag queens don't always subscribe to the idea of consent that there there seems to be this like idea that comes with doing drag that like oh I'm loud and brash so I can just touch you or I can just ask you to do things and that's not the case and I fully admit that I've done it in the past I'm a product of my culture and that's not explaining it or excusing it but I feel we weren't having those conversations back then right Mm -hmm. and uh, so that's probably why it was a little bit darker and messier <laughs> uh, and you saw a lot more of people's genitals than you probably should have
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's also probably I mean I I was not around back then but I feel like maybe that was also just a a product of maybe not consent just being talked about very often oh as for sure a whole, yeah probably
1: but I mean there still is this idea with drag queens that And I don't want to say that it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because clearly consent matters. And clearly when you have those conversations about it, it's like, no, you're right. But at the same time, like there's so many stories of people just being grabbed or people being harassed and stuff. And it's, oh, it's just a drag queen. It's okay. And it's not okay.
0: Also, I've heard a lot of stories of the reverse of people doing things to drag queens that would never be excusable yeah. or res- or appropriate at all to your average stranger. Mm-hmm. Like, you hear a lot about drag queens getting, like, grabbed or, or even just, like, hugged or kissed randomly yeah. when that's not typically something that always happens with a random stranger.
1: Yeah, there is that for sure. And mm-hmm. I think part of it is that, like, that idea of, quote-unquote fame that like somehow you become a bit of a public commodity Mm -hmm. but for sure people are I mean my breasts are socks (laughs) but people are still always grabbing them and they want to touch your hair and sometimes pretty intimate stuff too that like yeah it's not okay and I don't know why that is
0: you've been doing drag for what is that that would be 17 16 years ish yeah 17 or 18 actually approximately what uh what drives you to keep going back what drives you to keep doing
1: it i just love drag and i've actually had to like sit down and think about this a couple times because especially after doing the fringe show that i was just burnt out Mm -hmm. and so i had to like sit down and be like is this something that i want to keep doing because i'm also like my personality is that if somebody tells me i have to do something That's when I don't want to do it. So I, yeah, I sat down and I was like, I kind of weighed the pros and cons. And it just came down to the fact that like, I love performing. I love drag, like the idea of drag and whether or not I do it a lot, it's still an important part of my, my life. And I've also spent a lot of money on stuff over the (laughs) years and it would be a shame for everything to go to
0: waste. Would you say it's like the diversity changing that's like the biggest difference you've noticed from when you started compared to today
1: i think so both the diversity and the like kind of ease of doing drag Mm -hmm. a bit that like like i mentioned that buying stuff on ebay or facebook marketplace or whatever and even just like reasonably priced lace front wigs you can get now we like i didn't even know what a lace front wig was back then Mm -hmm. so i think it's a little bit easier to do it now uh, and maybe that's why we do have the diversity more that like you had to be committed before, not to question anybody's commitment now, but mm-hmm. like you had to you know set aside a paycheck for stuff and really get into it like if you wanted to, and I feel maybe that's not there as much anymore again, not to question anyone's <laughs> commitment, but well, thank you guys for huh? yeah. In the shoes, but I think you dropped a pill bottle. Is it anything good?
0: Oh, it's uh, Vita told me that the drag scene back when she started, which I think was probably a couple of years before you, may have. Uh,
1: a year for sure, maybe hmm. two, yeah.
0: Yeah, she said that the scene was a lot cattier. Yeah. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know so much between the drag queens, I guess, maybe now thinking it, I can think of a few instances, but I think a lot more like drag queens were just cattier then, right? Like that with the audience and with people and because it was just kind of expected a bit, but also I think like you had to learn to protect yourself, right? Because not only uh, things have changed so much just within the like queer community that as far as like safety and accessibility and things like that. So to be somebody in that community, who's in an ostracized community, who's then further ostracized for their femininity, and then further ostracized for like expressing that femininity, you kind of had to build up a shell or like a something to protect yourself. And so often that came about is cattiness. Mm-hmm. And I'm I have a reputation for being. No, I wouldn't say not a nice person, but just kind of a blunt, honest person. And I never used to be like that. And for anybody listening, I learned how to be that from Vita Lamore. <laughs> We've she's mellowed out, and I've become way more cranky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought she was so chill.
1: <laughs> she is now. She used I. I saw her bottle somebody at the bar. Bottle
0: somebody. Oh, she's
1: a scrapper. Yeah. With,
0: like, as in, hit someone with a bottle. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. But it was also like, I, and I don't know
1: that it was somebody in the gay community, but you know everybody knew where, because Happenings and Geos were in the same building at the time. So like everybody kind of knew where that was. And uh, sometimes you'd get people showing up that shouldn't have been there. And...
0: Sometimes you just got to bottle somebody. That's right. <laughs> sometimes you got to cut a bitch. <laughs> she also told me about um, fist fighting another drag queen. <laughs> which I think is really funny. I don't know if I know that story. I, I She she was very reluctant she to tell names? me any names. No. no. She just told me she fought somebody with her fists. It
1: doesn't surprise me. In full drag.
0: Yeah. On stairs, I think.
1: On, well, yeah, there were stairs up to happenings. <laughs> I don't think I saw that. I would love to have seen that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so strange because, I mean, I've, I've obviously been spectating the drag community for a very short amount of time. But the idea of seeing uh, drag queens full on fighting is so foreign to me.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's maybe a a generational thing, but Mm -hmm. also, and I think a testament probably to the professionalism of drag queens in general, but also in the city, because I've seen some scraps in the, not fist fighting, but Mm -hmm. uh, in the dressing room. I always remember, I saw a, a one woman show, a drag queen years ago, and I always remember one quote she said is that you think that drag queens are mean to you, you should see what they say to each other and it's a hundred percent true. And I guess that that makes me happy that you don't see that as a spectator. Mm-hmm.
0: So what is it that I guess if if drag queens say that kind of things to each other, what I guess is there is there some kind of like bond that grows between drag queens for both doing the same art at the same time? I think so. Just because, like, specifically, I was thinking about last night. Last night was the Miss Club 200 pageant, which I'd also like to talk about, actually. When uh, I believe it was Lita offered Satina her name. Mm -hmm. And that was a very big moment, and it was very emotional for Satina. And then I got to thinking about these family bonds and stuff like that. And in the queer community, certainly, there's very close familial relationships. And I think that probably stems from a lot of people not necessarily having... A connection with a family their own family that they'd like but between drag queens that seems particularly prevalent to the point of like having house names and stuff like that that's kind of where i'm coming from (laughs) with that if that made any sense oh it
1: totally does and (laughs) i think that that is like a holdover from ball culture because Mm -hmm. have you seen paris is burning yeah yeah so that there's and, and pose if you haven't seen pose you have to watch pose it's the best thing on tv I can't speak highly (laughs) enough about it, but that that's all like organized into houses and stuff. Right. And it's, I think it's a different, it's definitely different in uh, the time frame that we're in now. And also different in that, like in the ball culture, it was, I mean, in the eighties, people didn't understand it, but also like racial, heavily racialized people probably coming from more conservative backgrounds. So that are literally disowned by their families and have to make new families really and you definitely see that in drag and I think even in the 18 years that I've been doing it less so now because society and parents and families are becoming more accepting but that there literally was that like no like you're a family member now and we'll do whatever we can for you yeah maybe not maybe doesn't mean as much now but it's definitely a sign of respect and And knowing both Lita and Satina, I can one hundred percent say that Lita would do anything for Satina, and not that I mean I've also know Satina's biological mom, and I know she's wonderfully supportive and a wonderful person, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's there. And again, I think it's also like that product of being in an ostracized community and being further ostracized for your femininity (laughs) or your choice to do drag or whatever that you just kind of find people that also have those issues or those
0: things they have to deal yes with. exactly all right so um miss club 200 pageant was last night mm-hmm. uh and you are i believe the only guest that i will have on that can actually talk about it because everybody else was recorded before what did you think
1: <laughs> i i was really impressed and i actually made a facebook post on the friday night saying that like it's sometimes easy to forget or to take
0: take for granted. Take for granted. That's Aha. it. Take for
1: granted that Winnipeg queens are just as talented and just as fun and just as creative as any queen in a major US city, any queen that's been on drag race. Mm-hmm. We have incredible talent here and Drag Race would be lucky to have half of the people in Winnipeg. So I was really impressed by all of the performances by the candidates all of the special performances on friday night i didn't get to see some of the stuff last night on the step down part because mm-hmm. i was changing <laughs> and missed some but well from what i saw also really top-notch performances and going back to the like new performers i think one good thing that happens when new performers come out besides the fact there's new performers is it also challenges the old performers to kind of step up their game (laughs) because there's new creativity and ideas being injected in and uh you have to match that or (laughs) or do better (laughs) (laughs) which i think definitely saw evidence of over the weekend
0: yeah as someone who's who's fairly new to to observing dragon the city I, RuPaul's Drag Race wishes they could pull some of the things yeah. that Winnipeg queens do. I'm thinking specifically on Halloween, Peppermint Fatty was like, she was doing a number, and halfway through she was bleeding from her stomach and she was dripping blood. <laughs> and then at the at Prairie's Ball last weekend, she was on rollerblades, and it was it's Winnipeg drag is yeah. is incredible and phenomenal. And and Cake is Cake is the new Miss Club 200. She is, and I'm very happy for her. So something happened on the Friday that I also wanted to talk oh. about. The yeah <laughs> I know the, exactly where you're going with it. The guy himself. who walks on mid performance, does like a stupid twirl, like he's like, Hey, I'm oh, sorry guys, I'm in the middle of a show and then he crosses the stage. So what? <laughs> <laughs> why why is that I don't know. I don't know if there's a question there, but you 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 called him up and you spoke to him. I did. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I was nicer to him than I've been to people who did it in the past. Mm-hmm. And I feel still like I probably should have been even nicer because like I don't know his life and it maybe it's the first time he's ever been at a drag show mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what's going on and but it was said repeatedly on the microphone, don't do yeah. that. It's disrespectful. And I don't know. I I just I couldn't let it go past I feel bad because I do think I actually scared him
0: out of the bar <laughs> you did you and Brianna did scare him out of the bar but yeah. I I didn't feel bad I just think it
1: him. like really disrespectful and and in his defense he came up on stage he didn't shy away from it mm-hmm. and when I said like I think you owe her an apology he did apologize mm-hmm. but maybe it was the part about me threatening to beat the shit out of him with the microphone that got him <laughs> and <deleted>. then Brianna's <laughs> further yeah
0: she's nicer than I am yeah I would have chased him <laughs> And then he said, I'm I'm out of here. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you wouldn't walk on stage during a play. No. And you wouldn't walk on stage during a concert. No. And just because the, the stage is on the same level as the bar doesn't mean that you can disrespect a performer like that. Yeah.
1: And I think part of the problem is, is that whether or not he'd been to a drag show or not before, a lot of people devalue drag as an art form. So it's just like, oh, you know, that's just a man in a dress dancing around. So why do they deserve? I'm generalizing here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I just, yeah, especially in an environment where alcohol is being served and you do get a lot of, especially with back when there were more queer venues, maybe it didn't happen as much, but you do get a lot of, Sorry for calling you out, ladies, but you get a lot of like straight like bachelor parties coming in. And unfortunately, straight, white, cis people aren't used to to not being yeah. And they're not used to being the center of attention. Right. So it happens that you have to put them in their place sometimes and remind them that they don't live here. Right. Like we live here. Yeah. (laughs) And this is our space. And it's you're a guest here and it's not okay to center yourself in this space.
0: Especially when it was such an emotional night, I think, for for everybody. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly for Satina, but everybody just it, it just felt like the energy in there was very high. Yeah. And then to have somebody walk over it like it's a joke yeah. felt like an insult.
1: I yeah, think. and I don't I don't think he meant it as one, mm. but
0: it absolutely came across as one. So never walk across <laughs> the stage when a drag queen is performing. No, there is almost always a way around. Always a way around.
1: There's and always a way around. And even wait, the, like the the song is gonna be over in three minutes. Like mm-hmm. you you're you can wait.
0: Yeah, and it happened a few times after that, and then the next night, still people yeah. running across.
1: Oh yeah, and with multiple people trying to stop people from doing it, and it still happened. Yeah, I, I last night was a. a I kind of want to give people a bit of the benefit of the doubt because it was packed in there and it was hard to move around. Mm-hmm. And if I saw an opening, I might have taken it too. But
0: <laughs> They saw the light and they had yeah. to, to run for it. <laughs> yeah, respect your drag queens. All right, well, thank you so much for sitting well, down with me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Tyra for sitting down with me. Our next guest is one that I'm especially excited about. She's one of the most exciting new performers in the city who's become famous for her iconic and incredible makeup style and bringing a level of art, sophistication, and fashion to her drag that's scarcely been seen before. She's also one of my best friends. Let's hear a clip from her interview. Drag queens are expected to look a certain way, I think. So we always have to be wearing, like, lashes and, like, hip pads and always have to be, like, corseted and have these, like, huge titties. But it's just, like... Sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I don't want to look like that. So I'm not going to wear hip pads if I don't want to. I'm not going to cinch if I don't want to. If you want me to wear lashes, they're literally going to be touching my forehead. (laughs) So I think that's kind of like how I play and like experiment with femininity and like just kind of like show people that like a woman doesn't have to look a certain way. And there's like a million different ways to be feminine and like a million different ways to be masculine. And you don't have to be either or you can be both. Don't forget to follow Dragging the Peg on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for photos, extra content, and news on upcoming drag shows in our city. And of course, thank you so much to Claire Boning of Veneer for the iconic intro and outro music, and to Red River College for letting me use your audio equipment. Until next episode, remember to always tip your local drag queens.